Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the Eco Wild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar, May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you and we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? 
think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Now I'm a southern child, southern child, from down in Macon, Georgia. Everybody knows where I was born. Well, You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. All right, everybody, welcome to another listener success story on the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. The ginger bow hunter could not make this one, so I'm taking it over. Uh, today, we got a guy who's killed a couple nice bucks, Mr. Cameron Choquette. Cameron, how are you doing, my man? I I could not be better. I, uh, I'm sitting here. I, I just put my two-week-old baby girl to uh, down for a nap, and now I'm sitting here in my man room. And talking to a pretty good guy on the phone, so. No, dude, sounds like a, yeah, you've had a heck of a fall. So I I was looking through your messages. You were talking to Jacob on Facebook, and I was reading through what y'all were talking about. So you've killed two bucks this year, correct? I have, and uh, I'm very fortunate to be successful in doing that. And I'm even more fortunate that I have access to some pretty good private land yeah man so two bucks and a baby girl that's a pretty dang good year um which i i I like i like that we're interviewing you about this because i know that we hammer down on you know public land topics a lot and we're constantly talking about public land but we we always you know i haven't necessarily gone on private land to like quote unquote prove it but uh we've always thought that everything that we talk about would translate over really really well to private land in the south because i guess like the core principles are really the same whether it's public or private or really dependent on pressure, you know, it, it might not be all that different if you're going off stuff like habitat and stuff like that. So uh, can you give people like an idea of where you're at, uh, what the what the property you hunt is like? If you look at the map and look at southeast Alabama, I am located and I hunt 30 minutes from the Georgia line and the Florida line in Houston County. Peanut capital of Alabama. Yes, there is a lot of peanuts, and uh, they actually—I th- I think they add a little bit of weight to our deer around here too. Yeah, do, do y'all have like pretty big body deer down there? Because I feel like I've seen that before. Because you know, you think <clears throat> I'm from Central Alabama, and you think that down in South Alabama that the deer are, like real small. But uh, over social media over the last couple of years, I feel like I've seen some actually pretty big bucks down there. So I've always hunted right here within ten miles of the river, and. I don't know if it's that we have some of the Georgia genetics coming over or if it's just that we also have agriculture land. But, I mean, both the the live weight of both the bucks that I've killed this year was over 200. The first buck was 223, and the second one was 215. Dang, that's what I'm talking about. So do those deer, like, do they really hammer down on those peanuts? It is not uncommon uh, early season uh, when the when before they've turned over the peanuts that if your headlights happen to go through one of them peanut fields, it's – it's not uncommon uncommon to see a pile of them in there. I mean, they really hit that early season, and uh, I currently don't have any agriculture land. We used to hunt it, but 
early season, we'd focus on those peanut fields. And they're just like eating the greens or something? They eat the greens early season, and uh, and actually late season, after the peanuts have been harvested and everything, they're out there foraging the peanuts, too. No kidding. So it's kind of like a soybean, then. That's interesting. Yeah, um, which I've hunted over soybean fields down here as well, but the past five or six years, they don't really plant those as often. I know. We're kind of... I'm I'm kind of like derailing this conversation because I'm interested in this, but if you've hunted around <laughs> a lot of agriculture, I got to ask, because I, I haven't down here. What about, uh, have you ever, you have an experience uh, hunting around cotton fields? Yes. Uh, so the way these farmers work and everything, you can't plant peanuts year after year. There's always crop rotation. So, uh, I mean, on some years it's cotton in the rotation. And I've also, I've seen an early season where you'll see deer out in the cotton fields. And I'm not exactly sure if they're eating the bulbs or they're eating the foliage, but I mean, the, I've hunted around them, and I think they actually bed in them during early season. Interesting. Okay. All right, back on topic. I'm sorry, I just totally took this in a weird direction. All right, so you killed two bucks this year. Um, well, before we get to that, uh, how long have you been listening to the podcast? So my brother sent me a link. It's been less than a year. Uh I want to say probably the beginning of the summer because he's actually a uh, nurse practitioner and works in a hospital, so he can listen to podcasts a lot, and so can I with what I do. And uh, I never really knew, like, or I mean, I knew what podcasts were, but I wasn't really interested in them because there wasn't really many hunting ones that I knew of. And then since then, I've started listening to y'all and the uh, Primos guys and uh, Meat Eater, of course. Mm-hmm. But they're they're just really great to help the workday go by. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, that that first buck you killed this year, I want to kind of I want to go through the story of of how that happened and uh, any anything that you learned from the show that could have been applied to that. I'd love to hear too. But I mean, what's the story on this first buck that you shot? So the first buck, it uh, that was on a roughly hundred acre piece of property that I I've had access to the past four years and half of that property is agriculture. Uh, it, it used to be re- like rotationally planted, but now it's just been a hay field. And then the other half of the property, there's a hardwood bottom and planted pines. And there, there's actually a large power line running through it. And uh, the first year we got access to it, my dad and I were like, man, looking on the map, we're like, there's not really any other food plots that we can see on neighboring properties. So my dad and I went in and we put in a, a five to six acre food plot. And early bow season, it was, I mean, killer. It wasn't nothing to see like 13, 14, 15 deer at a time, which was like real unusual for me at the time. I had never seen that many deer at a time, but rifle season would open. And it seemed like every afternoon I would hunt, you would hear shots. And like in the back of my head, I'm like, these are these bucks, like these younger bucks that I'm watching and stuff. And the past four three years we had planted a food plot there and it never had really produced. So I talked to my dad and I'm like, look, I think we're wasting time doing this. Let's just leave it alone and just stay out of there until we kind of think the rut starts. Cause we have that big power line, which opens up good visibility. And so my dad, he didn't disagree with me, which was odd, but uh, <laughs> we didn't plant anything over there. And we have a permanent stand, a ladder stand that you can see down that power line and into the agriculture field. And, uh, or hayfield, which uh, 
I waited. I didn't even set a camera over there this year. I haven't put out feed, run feeders, nothing. And I believe December 5th was like the supposedly, I think that was the coldest day of the year so far. And I went and got in over there before daylight. And I was actually going to harvest a, a doe for a family friend that like that need, needed some deer meat. But as soon as I could see, there was five does in the uh, power line. So I was like, uh, let me hold off a bit. I'll wait and shoot a doe later. Well, those five does turned into seven does and that turned into 10 does. And eventually I'd seen 11 antlerless deer and I'm like, okay, something's up. There's got to be a buck come out eventually. And then right at about seven o'clock, there was three does and uh, sitting out there and they've been sitting there for five minutes. So I was like, let me shake things up a bit. So I eased, uh, eased my rattling antlers off my uh, hook hanger off the tree. And I, when I rattle, I'm not a believer in like tickling them. I hit them because if you've ever heard two mature bucks fight, it is loud. Mm-hmm. And I hit those antlers as hard as I could for about 15 to 20 seconds, roughly. I don't know if it was that long. And I just set them down. And not not 10 seconds after I had set them down and looked back up, I could just see a big body come stiff-legged walking out in the power line, and he walked straight up to those does. And, I I mean, I looked at him and saw it was a mature buck and shot him. Man, that's what I'm talking about. So yeah. this spot, you – so this was a spot that you you pretty much didn't go into at all until you went in there and killed that buck. Not one time. It was the first day I went in there. This Interesting. Season. Now this this episode came out after you killed it, so I know it didn't. You didn't listen to it by then, but uh, that's something that Jimmy Clark that we just interviewed just talked about on his properties. Like he hunts public and private, and he said on his private pieces he likes to the way he put it. He said. Uh, I like to hang back and let them screw up, like because you have that luxury, you kind of can control the pressure on there and everything. But that's a that's a pretty awesome hunt, man. Uh, is there anything specific from the show that that helped you out with that one? Well, so I actually just listened. Uh, not it could have been the other day, I guess the episode two twelve with Jimmy Clark, and he talks about staying out, and I was like, well, that really pertains to that. I mean, just staying out and not putting pressure on your deer and letting that that place. Those deer are pressured. It's just not by us. It's by the neighbor. So we're just like he was talking. We're kind of making a safe haven, I guess, or a sanctuary. In my in my opinion, I, and I believe that works sometimes. Yeah, and it's kind of about having the the discipline uh, to kind of stay out of there and go in because you know there's certain situations where you I th- probably just like what you just had happen where. You might be like, you know, I know that if I stay out of here and go in there at the right time, I got a really, really good chance of killing this thing. Yeah, exactly. Which, I mean, that's proven to be successful for me over the years. And uh, I'm trying to see, I got a cheat sheet here where I've written down some previous episodes that I've listened to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I don't quite remember exactly who said it, but uh, hunting the does. Like, I mean, especially this time of the year, they're rutting around here. And it's like, if you're where the does are, you're where the bucks are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bunch of them have said that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a lot A lot of episodes. I mean, you're, you're talking, y'all interview successful deer hunters. And some of some of the things are going to be definitely uh, in common with each other. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we caught on to pretty quick when we, when we really started, uh, like, this style of interviewing that we've been doing for, like, two years now with these guys is – a lot of them are are different, but a lot of them are very very similar. And uh, but there's always something to get out of every one of them, and every one of them might say something in a certain way that clicks 
you know, that somebody might say something that clicks with me, but it doesn't click with you, and then vice versa on the next week's episode, you know. Um, oh, yeah. So it's just it's just good to get all these different perspectives. Um, but so so let's uh is that is that pretty much does that cover like your first deer? Uh yeah, I mean just staying out of the area and then slipping in there and I don't know if calling necessarily helped, but it definitely didn't hurt because those does didn't even care. Oh, that's yeah. I was gonna ask you about that. Uh, so the does, how did they react like body language wise to the to the rattling? Uh, I mean, I can tell that they like would look up my, my direction up the power line, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, that's not the first time I've called with deer in sight, especially does. I mean, I, if a big buck's inside, I'm not going to call at him like that. I mean, mm-hmm. but the, I've several times I've had small bucks and does well within range and in sight and still rattled during this time of the year. Yeah. Was that, was that like, would you say that was peak rut or like middle of the rut or early rut or, or what? <sighs> I guess I would say, uh, I, I think it really peaks around here around December 15th, but I mean, that, with that, with the full moon that we had just had, I believe in that cold snap, I knew some does had to have been in estrus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see. Well, like as close as we are to the river down here, we'll see. I, I mean, I've seen bucks chasing does as early as Thanksgiving and all the way through the end of the season. There, I mean, there's multiple estruses I firmly believe in. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of insane because I've hunted the Alabama-Georgia line several time, for several years now, and uh, you have pockets where a lot of the deer across the river in Georgia will rut in, like, November. And, but then you get into Alabama, and the further you go into Alabama, the more of like a January rut it is. And, I mean, there'll be spots where you're right there on the river, and they're like wide open in mid-November. And then literally five miles down the road, they don't they don't even start until January 6th or something. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so let's, uh, let's move on to the second deer. So uh, what's the deal with the second deer that you shot this year? So... The second deer, that was de, uh, December 11th, I believe. Right before your baby and, was born. Yes. Uh, so we had to have a planned C-section because she was a breech baby. Mm-hmm. And so she was coming out December 15th. So I knew I had a short amount of time to get it done again if I was going to. And uh, this was actually on a different piece of property, a roughly 400-acre track with just as much, if not more, hunting pressure all around. And just like episode 212 with Jimmy Clark saying staying out and not putting pressure on the place, mm-hmm. uh, I've really implemented that. And how I've been able to do that and not like feel like I'm missing out or whatever is I've actually got some cellular cameras. And mm-hmm. I, I, I believe in using cameras, but I, I don't believe in killing the deer of the camera. But so like I have not on every food plot, but some of our like best ones, I'll have a cellular camera on them and I run feeders too. And I'll have a feeder in that plot as well. Cause I'm trying to hold the does. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I run the, those cameras year round as well. And early season, I, uh, well, before the season, actually, I got a picture of this deer. He's a main last year. He's a clean mainframe eight point, And, he decided to throw a kicker off each of his G2s this year, and he's got a fifth point on his uh, right main beam, I believe. And uh, kind of was like, I'm I'm going to try killing that deer if I can. And uh, 
he I never really had daytime pictures of him except like preseason and everything and just just like Jimmy was talking about staying out I stayed out and stayed out of his area up until rut with or right at the beginning of December is when I first started hunting a few times which I I think this year as crazy as this year's been between COVID and having the baby and everything and also remodeling our house I've actually hunted less than 10 times like gone out and actually sat in the stand trying to kill a deer and uh I, I believe it's all thanks to these cameras but uh the two days prior i got a picture of the this i'm gonna call them an 11 point because you can hang a ring on them and mm. uh two days prior i got a picture of them fairly early i mean right before daylight about 450 yards from uh one of our permanent ladder stands that's overlooking this clear cut and on December 11th, it was another fairly crisp, cool morning. And I was like looking at the maps and everything. I'm like, I, if he's bedding, I think he's bedding directly in the center of our property, if he's bedding on us at all. And this ladder stands 400 yards south of where this food plot is and a camera uh, that, I, that I got pictures of him on. And I slipped in there well before daylight. And I access like, like when I access this part of the property to hunt, I park on the side of the main uh, public road and like, so the, the and I don't open gates or anything. Cause I think some of these deer can hear when you open those loud creaking gates. And, uh, I got my sand and it wasn't five minutes after daylight. I started seeing some, a little bit of doe movement and everything. And that kind of slowed down a little bit. And I was like, let me pull out my antlers. And I beat them like I beat them hard. And it wasn't, a minute or two later, here come two young rack bucks looking. And, I mean, they're cruising looking for where that fight was. And I watched them, and they eased off. And I watched another few deer, a few minutes, whatever. And they were easing off towards behind me to a different bedding area. And meanwhile, the bedding area I think the big buck's in is in front of me. And uh, I beat the antlers again. And here come, not a few minutes later, here come another decent rack, I mean, young buck. He did the same thing, and he followed and went for those other bucks, went off to more bedding area behind me. Well, like, it just kept repeating, and it got later and later in the morning, and it was about 9 o'clock, and uh, I actually needed to go help my dad move some equipment or something. And I was like, let me beat him one more time, and I hadn't seen a deer for like 30 minutes. And uh, I took those antlers, and I mean, I beat him as hard as I could. And at the end of my sequence, I took them, and this is a short ladder, and there's like some... Uh, not Syria bushes, but like Baca bushes or something, just small, like scrubby stuff in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I took them and just threw them into those and just made all sorts of racket, like hitting limbs and stuff. And it went 20 seconds later, I look up and that buck is busting out of the wood line, like a dang linebacker. I mean, he looks mad and steam is coming out of his nose. And I eased the gun up, made sure it was my target buck. And it sure was. And then I put it I like shooting big bucks either square in the shoulder or right in the base of the neck. And I, I'm not, I never shoot past like 150 yards and I'm confident in doing that. Mm-hmm. And I put it on him and he was standing in the tall weeds and I shot and he just folded. And I mean, I, then I get the shakes. That's kind of crazy. So w- with that rattle sequence, so you rattled up in the stand and then, and then you, you like threw the antlers down there. Were they like on a pull rope or anything? Or did you just like sling them down in the bush? I, uh, there is actually, a, I, I do it just like, uh, episode 188, I believe with Tim Knight mm-hmm. and his calling with doing it on the pull rope. I do that and I leave him on the pull rope and I will, 
I will make ground sound with them too. And I mean, I I kill both those bucks with my rifle, but I also bow hunt too. And he, not not just during bow season. I, I've been carrying my bow. I think like the past two hunts, and I'll, I'll just do it occasionally. But especially bow hunting, trying to get them close, I'll dangle them on the ground, just like Tim said. But uh, I'm a firm believer that the calling definitely had something to do with killing that last one. Yeah, that's a uh, that's pretty incredible. I always struggle to have. Uh, confidence with rattling like that um is it so rattling multiple times in a row like that is that something that you've done often with success i i don't know about often but i i know it's worked it worked last year with the largest buck i've killed um that i actually killed him on december 15th of last season it was the fourth or fifth time that morning that i had rattled because uh i i mean i'm a firm believer in doing it more than once because i mean deer aren't just sitting in one spot in my opinion, I think they're moving. So, and there's a certain distance that they can hear that. And I actually listened to, um, I want to say, I guess it was the Primo's podcast and, uh, Jordan Blissett. And then we're talking about that, like how they hunt up in Kansas and it, it isn't uncommon to rattle every 10 to 15 minutes. And I, I think it worked, it can work here in Alabama too. And I mean, mm-hmm. all, I, all I can say is proofs on the wall. Yeah, I, that that is definitely a really good point because you know that time of year, like you said, they're they're not just laying there. It's like you're not rattling to the buck laid up in the thicket a hundred yards away. You're rattling to that buck who's who's cruising, you know, somewhere around you, and he's up on his feet and he's walking, and he's just not he's not where you can see him, you know. Exactly. And one of those could be walking somewhere around you at pretty much any given moment. Like you don't know when they're there because you can't see them, but you know if you know that there's deer up and on their feet. I could see how that makes a lot of sense, like rattling that often. And uh, another note, like the, that 11 point I killed this year, I'm at 10 point last year, then uh, multiple neighbors had those deer on camera. And it, it's just like, and like uh, I, I have good neighbors, fortunately. Like they, they like shooting mature deer too, but it's always kind of a, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to say competition because it's more, it's more than, hunting's more than that to me, but. It's, mm-hmm. it's good to know like they had them on camera as well but i i believe just like jimmy was saying in episode 212 staying out of there my property like we hold the does and i think the bucks just feel more comfortable in there because we're staying out of it what amount of pressure do you think those deer will tolerate i mean like does it make you nervous to go in there and, and smack two or three does before the rut comes in or, or do you like try to not kill does until after the rut uh, no, so we'll kill does. Uh, we kill a few every year, and we're doing that if we can help it on the very outskirts of our property. And like, there's actually a public road that cuts through and cuts off about a 40 acre chunk of the property, and it butts up to very good woods and everything too. And it, it, we can easily shoot all the does that we want to be able to eat on that side. And like, so on this main side of the property, we're trying not to kill anything in there except a buck that you're going to mount. Or predator. I mean, we shoot every predator we see. Interesting. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I'm not. I won't. I won't second guess shooting a coyote in a heartbeat. And I, actually, last year, the biggest buck that I've personally killed, I shot a coyote two hours before I shot him in the same stand. Oh, nice. <laughs> he was. He died. I mean, he was standing like 50 yards from the coyote when I shot him. <laughs> the day. So nice. I don't think coyote hurts at all. If anybody out there has a any second guessing about shooting a predator i'm shooting one every time but that's my opinion so so what uh what you mentioned your cell cameras i mean what role do those cell cameras play 
in your strategy for hunting a property like this? Like, are you doing it to like monitor like where the deer are spending most of their time or are you doing it because you don't have to go in there and physically check the camera, put pressure on your deer? I'm a firm believer of it. Uh, not putting pressure on the deer. Like I, I have them on my food plots that they're going to come to and attract, like attract them to it. And preseason everything. I, um, I, I, like I, I, I protein feed our deer before the season. And during the season I have spin feeders out in these plots as well that, or their time spent feeders that throw out corn. And I mean, uh, some people hate it, the bait and everything, but I'll gladly pay a $15 license. And I mean, I've killed some good bucks and not one of them's been over corn. I mean, you're just not, I don't think you're going to kill one of these big old mature Alabama bucks over a corn pile. So those cell cams, they let me know what's visiting and what bucks are there. I mean, I'll get some of these bucks that I've killed on camera, but it's in the middle of the night and Okay. That's not where I'm hunting. I'm not hunting right over that plot 95% of the time. I might sit there where I can see it during the rut, but, I mean, these big bucks that I've killed, I mean, big to me, uh, I've killed them several hundred yards away from the feeders Mm -hmm. and cameras. They're just letting me know that there's a big mature deer in there to hunt. Well, so are there any other uh, episodes of the podcast that, like, really stood out to you and, and you got some good information from that helped you on these bucks? Uh, I wrote down here episode 200. I think that's when you had the three guests. Mm-hmm. Yep. On there, Mike, Barry, Jamie, and Wes, yeah. I believe. That's right. And they had, I mean, it, every one of them, I find something new or something that I take from it. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to listen and I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to either jot it down or I'm going to do my best to remember it and try it. And one of the big things that stuck out from that one to me is uh, mock scrapes. I'm a firm believer in it. Like I make them in my food plots every year or on the roads. And, uh, I mean, I've bought scent stuff to use to pour in them, but a lot of times I'll just pee in them. And I, I think it really works. I don't think deer know the difference between human urine and deer urine, in my opinion. That That's a, that's a random question. I just popped up to my head. Um, so if you've used like commercial scent, but also you've just peed in the scrapes, um, like I know that, just peeing in it works for sure. But do you ever feel like commercial scent uh, works better? Um, I don't know as far as on like the scrape stuff, but there is actually one scent that the night boys over there in Georgia, like Mr. Tim especially, they, they've kind of pointed me towards that. But uh, if you've ever heard of uh, Voodoo Deer Lures. Yeah, I've heard of them. I'm a firm believer in it. And every hunt this year, it's on, they have like, a white hot formula in like a blue formula, I think. I don't, but the, the regular formula, that one's always on my boots. And I mean, multiple times I've had deer come in and walk right across my trail and it's, they don't second guess it. And I, I actually had the white hot out this year when I killed that 11 point. Nice. And I, I mean, that morning I rattled up several, several bucks and several times they were, some of them were straight down to me across my trail that I walked in on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man, that episode that we did with the three of them, that we recorded that way back in September, and uh, we knew that we were going to do it for our 200th, and it was hard to sit on that one for that long because that was a really fun one to record, and I got a lot out of it because those guys are, I mean, three of the most consistent, like, big buck killers, on, for, especially on public land, probably in the state of Alabama. I mean, they're, they're definitely up there in, like, the top 5%, probably the top 3% or better, 
Uh, I mean, those guys really get it done consistently. I mean, Jamie McKay's already killed two bucks this year. Um, Michael Perry's already killed two bucks this year. Actually, Michael Perry might be bucked out now that I think about it. Um, uh, yeah, man, just great guys and got a lot out of that episode as well. Um, well, Cameron, so you've got two buck tags filled. You still got a little bit of season left, but you got a little baby girl that's now here. Probably going to cut into your uh, hunting season quite a bit. Uh, I mean, what are your plans on, uh, on going out and filling that last tag. Fortunately, uh, um, I got this private land to hunt. We there is some other mature bucks I have on camera, but uh, since I'm running out of wall space, I'm definitely done with my rifle for the rest of the year. I've been I've actually gone out twice since I killed those two, and I've just been toting my bow. And I've had deer in bow range both times, just nothing nothing mature enough in my opinion. So I'm gonna do my best to slip out a few more times. If the wife gets mad, maybe she'll kick me out. Get <laughs> me out of the house for an hour or two here or there, but other than that, I'm either gonna be bow hunting or go sit with one of my nephews in a box stand and tote the video camera. I like I like videoing a lot. I haven't done so much on the deer hunt in the past few years, but turkey season that's that's really uh what I what I'll be ready for. Nice. That's awesome. I, I I got one more question. I forgot to ask about it earlier, but before we started recording, you said that you were actually in a club with Tim Knight when you were younger, um, who Tim is the guy we've interviewed. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, uh, growing up, I was fortunate enough. My dad got a membership in a pretty, uh, Laura, I think it was about 5,000 acres over there in Georgia, right on the river. And I mean, there was several good hunters that I got to hunt with, but Mr. Tim kind of stuck out the most just, being as nice of a guy as he was and he wouldn't hesitate to answer any questions I ever had and give pointers here or there. And, uh, I, I just strive to be a good as bow hunter as he is one day. I mean, not only deer, but turkeys too. I mean, he is a true woodsman in my opinion. Yeah, man, Tim, Tim is a, Tim's a real deal. Definitely. Um, but so Cameron, dude, uh, congratulations on your bucks. You've had a heck of a year and, and I hope that, uh, your, your season continues to be great, man. Oh yeah. I mean, it, I don't know how much better it can get. I mean, I've already been blessed so far this year and I'm just ready for 2021. Yeah. I 20, heard that. 2020 has been a rough one. Yeah. Well, so, uh, last thing, if you could leave the listeners with one tip that you would believe would help them uh, have some more success. Maybe let's uh, narrow it down to our, our private land guys, since that's what you've uh, had experience with. If you had to give them one tip, what would you tell them? Unless your cameras are way back in the woods, uh, close to their bed, and don't hunt your cameras. Don't get so caught up on trail cameras. I mean, every time you're going in there, you're pressuring your deer and you're leaving your scent there. Don't hunt your cameras. Hunt the deer themselves, which... I've heard that in several of your podcasts already, and I can just reiterate it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Cameron, we appreciate you coming on, brother. I appreciate y'all, and enjoy listening to every one of them. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern.
Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com. 